Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Season 2 of the Pat and JT Podcast. Oh my, now I'm here at last. The best time, always gonna be the best. Come on! Well, all right. um, our website, patandjt.com, or you can go to Herd at Media and just click on, just click through. I don't even know what <laughs> Uh, it's like her, on, her on media. Her, you click on the network. There, that's what it is. It's, and then, it's the first tab. Click on that, and it takes you to where all the shows are. Yeah. And you can see all the shows that are right. on the network. Which, by the way, um, it's it's not. We're constantly adding to the website because we actually are now at about forty shows. Forty, yeah, pretty awesome. It's really exciting. One of those being uh, the Van Deeb podcast, and today is the day that Van Deeb he proposed to his girlfriend Jaquel. Um, as he's last recording Thursday. his podcast last week and the episode is live today. The video's out there today. She was very surprised. He was smooth as silk. It was a great episode. Big gooseies but, all To begin day. with, but then it ended with the surprise. Yeah, it and, was uh, it was awesome. So super. And then those, there's going to be video, more video dropping as well, but you can watch the entire episode. Also, um, he's got that up. On, go to his website, vandeed.com if you want to yeah. look at it there too. You can check it out there. It was super cool. <clears throat> Sometimes we get lucky and we have a guest on our on our episodes, um, and we, we're always watching for either either people we know or people doing things in the community or um, just those interesting stories, just like people that are part of our circle, I guess. Really, mm-hmm. and, and our guest today is Brandon McDermott. Hi, Brandon. How you doing? Not too bad. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Thank you for coming on our episode. We appreciate the opportunity. Thank yeah, you. You bet. Um, Brandon, you know, first, why don't you go ahead? You can probably do a much better job of doing introductions <laughs> for yourself. But um, you've got uh, a really cool job that you've got that you've had for a number of years. And, and we've known. I've, I remember you from years ago. That's the thing. We kind of crossed paths. We did. We did. Uh, well, first of all, I want to say uh, it's such a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the opportunity uh, growing up not to date you two. But, uh, oh, God, here I we go. Don't. Thanks for being on, Brandon. Okay, bye. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> And we're done. No, um, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, but uh, growing up uh, in my early years of uh, interning at uh, uh, NRG Media and Weight Radio years and years ago, um, I definitely came in contact with you guys and I always loved uh, uh, the, the great things you do and uh, the chemistry you two have is something that is irreplaceable. So you guys, Thanks, you guys are buddy. terrific. Thank you. Thanks, I really Brian. appreciate that. And you, you continued on in broadcasting too. Well, I worked full-time um, from 18 to 25 um, in a different industry. I worked in customer service um, at a company in Omaha called DTN and mm-hmm. got the burn to get back into radio and quit a full-time job with benefits to become an unpaid intern at a public radio radio station. In That's Omaha. what radio idiots like us That's, do. We, we can't quit, help ourselves. We quit the sheer <laughs> thing for like the maybe a small little chance. That's I what get we do. all these people who, who are like, I want to do what you do. How do I, how do I do it? Well, you got to quit and try to volunteer. Luckily they don't have unpaid internships much anymore. Yeah. But it really, that's what it's about. But uh, I host a, a statewide radio show called uh, morning edition. It's uh, NPR's uh, national show, but here in the member station in Nebraska, there's 14 stations across the state um, headquartered. If you can say that out of Lincoln and uh, I do that. And my other foot is in the reporting world. So part of my job is hosting the other parts reporting. And that's all with NAT, correct? That is correct. That's awesome. Nice. Good, good for you. Uh, seriously, that's really awesome. Um, the reason why you pop back up in our 
in our circle is because of all things, it's not very often that I browse LinkedIn, but <laughs> since we were changing companies, we were updating some things. And so I was kind of just like checking out some other stuff. And I, you know how it is when you fall in any website where you can kind of cruise and you forget where you are and you go somewhere yeah. else. And you popped up in my timeline um, because you had a book coming out and um, I had no idea. And I, I was like, we've got to have him come in to talk about this. So I, I'm just going to let you kind of lead the way, if you will. The book's called Abandon Brandon, and uh, it's available everywhere books are sold, as they say. Uh, yep, but yep. I, and I actually been watching the video of chapter one. It's wow. I mean, seriously, go right ahead and tell. I'm, I'm just, I'm floored. Well, no, and I appreciate you uh, you giving us a ch- uh, me a chance and, and letting me come here and tell the story. That's what this whole thing's been about. Uh, anybody who writes a book knows when you write your first one, unless you're connected with somebody really big and you got a huge platform, you're not in it to make money. You're in it to, to tell your story and to get it out there, and uh, that's certainly what we've done. But, um, you know, born and raised in Omaha, uh, went to 11 public schools in 13 years and uh, graduated from Benson High School. And in and out of foster care as a child, abusive father in every way you could imagine, and mother was a drug addict. And uh, my father killed his girlfriend in front of me when I was 13. Holy and cow. What? I mean, w- wait a second. That's a lot how, right there. I mean, that just, just you could, even, you could yeah. stop right there and you could have an entire book about how seeing that at 13 can change the trajectory of your life. Exactly. Jeez. And, and you're, you're exactly right. Uh, there's definitely more books out there, for more books in here, I should say. Yeah. But, Man. Uh, but no, it's, uh, it, it's a story about facing all of those things because you, you hear the stats, you know, if a student or a child grows up with a parent incarcerated or in poverty or with drug addiction in the family or in foster care, then they're more apt to be more likely to be in any of those one, have any of those things happen to them, a child in foster care, be in prison, be a drug addict and be grow up and, and them, they themselves experience poverty as they, as they age. I had all four and, mm. um, and somehow made it out the other end. And um, I would say it's a, it's grit, determination, and just very great surrogates along the way. Honestly, it's, it is uh, inspirational um, because of that, that you see, okay, you're one of those, you're one of the stories that you want people to see, to look up to, to look to, this can be done. This, this, it can be done. Painful though, still. No, it, it, you're definitely right. And I mean, that's the thing is, is if I can show people who've experienced any sort of trauma in their life, whether it's childhood trauma like I've experienced or even something different completely like divorce or they're going through, a, you know, a drug recovery or they're trying to lose weight or whatever it is that they have within themselves, everything they need to possess to overcome or to cope with and deal with uh, who they are and accept who they are and be a great person and offer something back to the world that's better than what they got. So Brandon, I know, um, I mean, I'm sure everybody's thinking this. I am thinking this. Uh, and it's in the book, I'm sure. But how, I don't mean to be blunt, but how how did your, was it your stepfather? His dad. Your dad killed your stepmother? How? how girlfriend. Your, your, your dad killed you, your dad's girl, his girlfriend in front of you. How did that happen? How did that go down? Well, um, it's a it's a long story. I'll explain in the book, but um, I'll definitely uh, explain it here. So, you know, my father, after my mother and father got divorced, my, my father became a womanizer and um, the relationships didn't last long and the women would realize who he was pretty quickly and then mm. run off, mm-hmm. but couldn't get too far from my father. My father was a, a stalker and he had, I believe currently he has got four lifetime protection orders out against him. Oh my um, gosh. But when I was when I was a young kid, so he's he not take, he's not in prison. He's he's out. 
he's out as far as I've known. I haven't spoke to him in eight years, but as far as last I heard, he was, wow. he was out. I don't, I don't oh, think he's yeah. in prison, but um, you know, he would take me on what we, what he, what he called these uh, stalking trips and Ooh. we would go to his girlfriend's house. He and called them around. stalking trips, like out loud called them stalking trips. Yes. What? And, and so like we would, it would, it would literally start with a, Hey bud, let's go uh, gas station, get a couple Pepsis. And we drive around and listen into, you know, CDs and, and music that he, he enjoyed. And we would, drive around his girlfriend's apartment or is around his girlfriend's job. He would have me get out of the car and go check her windows and go check her car and go check her mail and see if there's anything available for him to gain, glean anything from to see what she's doing, how she's living, what's going on. Holy and so God. anyway, long story short, he got a new girlfriend when I was 13 and they were together at the time, but they got in a big argument, um, which the arguments all explained in detail in the book, but mm -hmm. ended up pushing her down a flight of stairs um, in a, in a, a rush to get his clothes because she was kicking us out of his house at the time. Um, after this argument, they were rushing downstairs because the master bedroom was in the basement. They were rushing downstairs to get his things. And he wanted, you know, he wanted to be the person to get the things. She wanted to be the person to kick him out. It was just a kind of a silly, oh stupid gosh. argument. And uh, he shoved her both hands uh, down the stairs. And I was there in the room with him. And for a long time, uh, blamed myself for everything that had happened. You know, I could have yelled out, Hey dad, no, you know, all this. Right. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, but she didn't. She didn't die right away. She she lived for ten days, and because of massive uh, blood on the brain and a fractured skull and brain swelling, um, they her family decided to pull the plug. Um, and this was August of nineteen ninety nine. And that's when you're thirteen, man. That's a lot to take in when you're thirteen. It is, but the, yeah. I have to say too, just from what I have read so far, I haven't read the whole thing, um, read and seen. A lot happened before that, before oh, yeah. you were thirteen. Um, oh yeah. It was tumultuous, I mean, from the start almost, right? Very much so. And that's really what the book spells out of, you know, there was this one instance, an incident that happened that was huge and was the reckoning of my childhood that really was the point as you bring up or as you brought up that was going to be the part where I said, I'm going to go one way or the other. Um, and it certainly happened that way. But before that, it was, I was in foster care before that because my father abused my sisters and I. And when I was seven and eight, and there was a custody battle between my mother and my father and you know how that goes. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, there's a, there was a lot to it and it's a very, uh, a lot to get into in a, in a short amount of time. But, uh, but basically it was, we were jumping around and we were being pulled in every which direction by both my mother and my father being, you know, played against the other by both sides and, and all that and abuse and drugs and you, know, wow. you name it. It's all in the, it's all in the book. How are your sisters doing? Um, they're doing all right. Uh, one of my, my, my middle sister who I'm, I'm a little closer with, um, she's completely in the same ballpark that I'm in, um, with realizing who my parents are yeah. and, uh, that she doesn't want anything to do with them and doesn't want to be a, want them to be a part of her life at all. Um, my other sister, um, I don't really keep contact as close contact with. Um, but she's a little closer to my parents. And I think that has a little bit to do with it. Uh, she was a little young when everything went down, so she doesn't quite remember firsthand. And so it's more of a, these are still our parents kind of a thing. Well, yes, they're still our parents, but you understand that not all, just because somebody is your parent doesn't mean that you have to give them the that, world. You know, That's that has to be such thing. a hard realization uh, because everybody wants, no matter what situation you're in, you you it's your mom or your dad. You romanticize you know? your memories and uh, you do. on top of it. And, and to come to that point where you can say out loud, you are my mom or my dad, whatever, but 
you are not a good person. I'm not, mm -hmm. I can't have you in my life. I can't have you uh, influencing my kids or, you know, whatever it is. That's a big, that's a hard place, place to get to. Right. And to do it not from a place of anger. Yeah. And that's, you're exactly right. Both of you. And what I would say is, is one of the things I, I came to, to realize when putting the book together was how much, and I hate when people say this, but how much society pushes on us. It's good for for the person who's being abused in a domestic relationship to leave the other person yeah. and, and rightfully so. But when it comes to being your parents in the end of the day, it's still your mom and dad. Yeah. It's still your mom. You still have to take care of them. Right. And for me, it was, no, that's, that's not the case. It's, it's, it's not that at all. There are people out there who um, choose to be good or bad and, and choose to, to fall into a certain lifestyles and you don't have to be a part of that. And you certainly don't yeah. have to put the people that you love around that either. What about other family members? Did you have extended family nearby? Um, aunts and uncles. My father was very, uh, he was the youngest child out of four. And the next oldest child, his next oldest sibling was 12 or 13 old, years older than he oh, was. Wow. And so I kind of grew up, he grew up with his cousins as his brothers and sisters, basically. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those people, uh, a lot of those friends and family uh aunts and uncles and, and cousins. Sure. We were close when grandma and grandpa were around my paternal grandparents, <laughs> but you know, as they passed, uh, you know, they, the families branch out and branch off. And uh, I think to answer the next part of the question, it would be um, I've gotten some good feedback from family members and I've gotten some feedback, which is also spelled out in the book of from family members of why are you trying to tell the family's dirty laundry? That's exactly where well, I was going. Exactly yeah. where I was going. I was wondering about that. Mm -hmm. What, and how so, that went. So dealing with that, um, it's tough to hear that because in the end I, I came to realize that I am the family's dirty laundry, that oh. we are the, we are yeah, the, you're the, not, it's the situation was, yeah. Which right, the stories right. you're but, telling are, um, so that's a lot of pressure, man. Yeah. Yep. And, and I, I wanted to get the story out there. I wanted to tell people because it's a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. I was, I was a uh, short story. I, I went to school at, at UNO. I was a, somewhat of an uh, untraditional, non-traditional student uh, in my mid twenties, and uh, won a scholarship award and was chosen to to tell a to give the acceptance speech on behalf of the UNO winners um, at the Omaha mm. Press Club. Nice. And was writing this speech, and showed it to one of my professors at UNO, and she says, "Brandon, do you really want to be remembered as that boy who was abused?" And I said to myself, <laughs> and I think I said to her, "I am that boy, and I always right. will be." Yeah, that's 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 a terrible so thing to say. True, it's like. But that's who I am. That's how you remember. You know, I mean, right? And that's how you became who you are. That's the that's the real. That's terrible. The, the like silver lining of this. I I don't know, and I don't know what it was that helped you through this. I, I got to ask. I mean, were there role models? Were there people who stepped in, kind of as um, a support system or um, a, as a replacement? You know, to, for for the mom and dad role ever all along the way. And I think wow. as, as, as a person who grew up in 11 different public schools mm. um, and different foster cares and different halfway homes and youth groups or youth homes and shelters, I gleaned towards people who I uh, saw a paternalistic or maternalistic uh, uh, role in. And wow. so whether it was, you know, teachers at Benson high school, cause that was the one school I went there for four years. And so I got actually four years of stability, which was amazing. And there were several, several teachers at, at Benson that, that helped me out along the way, including a teacher, my junior year, we were poor. My father was in prison and my mother, we were dirt poor. He oh paid God. for me to go to junior prom, paid for my tuxedo, paid for my ticket for prom, paid for me to take the girl out to to dinner. Awesome. And so, I mean, there were things like that, you know, took me to my first Husker game. Uh, my teacher did. So there were teachers along the way that saw what I was going through, understood my story and tried to help and 
put a hand out as much as possible to to kind of be the light the fire under me to be good. If I can ask you, when you uh, mentioned that four years at Benson, that had to happen right after the, it, it, your, it, it, your it dad was. and the girlfriend, right? Yep. So when I was you know fourteen to eighteen, so right right after exactly. So I'm I'm assuming then you were living with someone else uh, because he's in prison. Yep. Yep. So when my, when everything happened with my dad, I went to my, okay. So, uh, when we were in foster care the first time at seven and eight, my sisters and I got took taken away from my father. My father had custody of us after they divorced. And then my mother gained custody of all three of us at age eight. And by the time we were living in a one room apartment, studio apartment with my, my mother, oh, wow. stepfather, my two sisters, myself, and my dog. <laughs> And my dog. And my dog. Wow. And I was sleeping on the floor. Yeah. So, um, so my when I was getting to the age of uh, reason, I guess, growing up and getting to puberty, my mother and father decided, thank goodness, I guess, that I would move in with my my father, uh, who lived at my grandparents' house. So it was actually an upgrade. We had food and 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 things to do and and money yeah. and stuff, like that, at least spendable income. So it was. So my my father had custody of me at that time. So when everything happened with my father uh, killing his girlfriend. I went to uh, a youth home until a family would accept me, a foster family would accept me into their, uh, into their home. And then after so that, did, I your went grand, down did, my, did your grandparents not, did you not want to stay with your grandparents? So it was, it was a big deal. I wanted to stay with my grandparents, but my, they were worried. The state was worried. My father would come out and get me again. He right. technically kidnapped me from school after his girlfriend died. Wow. He, he oh. went up to school and took me out of class without signing me out. And so they were assuming because everything that had happened beforehand, oh, two weeks gotcha. before, he broke my nose. It made the paper because uh, my mother had called the police about it, saying my dad my dad was going to cut me up into a thousand pieces oh and nobody gosh. would ever find me. This is all spelled out in the Omaha World Herald, and um, I spelled out a little bit in the book um, back in August of '99. And this all came out came to yeah. become news when my father killed his girlfriend, obviously. Right. But so the you know the detectives knew about this, and they didn't want my father getting out and coming to take care of me because I had quote unquote turned him in and told the truth. And so, oh, wow. and so this is where the name comes, comes from, Abandoned Brandon. It comes from when I told the truth about everything that had happened. He wrote me a letter from prison calling me Abandoned Brandon because I abandoned him. Oh, wow. I turned him in. So it's not a, it, you know, when you read the, when you read the title of the book, you think to yourself, what is, is Brandon? Was he abandoned? No, no, no. It's about my father. But uh, uh, I'm sorry, jumping all over the place there. You're but anyway, fine. so no, you're my mother had man. to prove to the state that she could get custody of me back. And once she did that, I was 14. She had to get a place to live, which had enough rooms. You need two rooms for three children in the state of Nebraska. I think it's still the same. And so she got a house that she could rent and got custody of me back in April, May of 2000. And just before school started my freshman year. Uh, but yeah, so the state wouldn't allow me to talk to my grandparents at all because my grandparents, they were worried we're going to uh, get my dad out of jail before the trial and something was going to happen to me kind of a thing. So I wasn't even able to talk to my grandparents so it's until a year to protect later. you, the state was trying to protect you in their best way they thought right. possible. Okay. Wow. And I completely understand that. So sure. trust there's no, there's no right. hatred towards the state. But yeah, that. no, but, but at first blush, when you think about it, you're like, well, man, we just stay in the house. You got food, you got, you know, get stability, yeah. but I completely understand that. And, yeah. and as a 13 year old, it was, what did I do? Why am mm -hmm. I being punished because of all this? And so I, I internalized a lot of that blame for everything that had happened. And so I took a lot of that on um, as a 13 year old of, you know, if I would have just stood up and said something, it could have, you know, he, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have pushed her. But then yeah. I, I think back now and, and think to myself, man, I probably made it out of my childhood by a cat's whisker. Right, that right, right. Easily <laughs> me. Honestly, I mean, you, you really, cause you, you didn't want to get in his 
path. Um, and obviously, it had so other things happened along the way that probably solidified that because, like you're talking about having a broken nose, and I can't even imagine. Now, the foster system itself. So that's another thing. I mean, talk about another book. There's another book too. Um, <laughs> knowing the foster system from the inside out. At that age, when you were in, was it? It had to be difficult because I'm sure I see. You know, you see the 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 the, the different entities that are trying to find homes for children, especially when they're young boys or even young girls. They get to be around 13, 14 years old. It gets a little hard. It definitely does, and you hit it on the head. When I was seven and eight, I, I still communicate with my first foster mother. I, I call her mom oh. and um, send her. You know. Uh, um, yes. Mother's Day gifts and stuff like that. In fact, um, my wife's expecting our first child here in, in two weeks and going to oh. be sending her pictures and going to be visiting her once COVID kind of calms yeah. down and stuff. But my second track into foster care was, was terrible. It was, we were treated like Cinderella. I mean, we were the paycheck for this family that, that we were expected to cook and clean and walk to the store for groceries and, and, and serve them dinner. And I mean, okay. Uh, see, that's what I was wondering about is, um, I guess is, is you hear those stories about the, those kind of foster families that take the kids in. So they get the paychecks, like you were saying, but they make the kids do all the work. And, and then that's, that story kind of gets pushed aside because there are very good people who work in the foster system, but there are very bad people who take advantage of the process. Very much so. And it's, I don't want to say that it's, you know, bad apples. And what I experienced is, is only one, one example, but um, I saw both sides of it. I saw when I went to for the first time, when I was seven years old, we brushed our teeth for the first time. We went to dinner as a family. We ate at the dinner table for the first time. We had three meals a day for the first time. We went to church for the first time. We, I went to Little League Baseball for the first time. Oh so we did all these things as a family that I never understood and probably pushed against because uh, I didn't, wasn't able to accept and give back love at that young of an age. And at 13, I saw the opposite side of it where we were treated as, as trash and anything we got, whether it was clothes or, or, or toys for, for Christmas or anything, I was told before I left that you leave all of that here. What you got is mine and you, you leave with what you came with. And I remember walking up to my foster mother, who's no, this second foster mother that uh, when I was 13, who was no longer here. Um, she's recently passed. Um, and I said, my mother, my mother uh, bought a house. I get to go home. And she says, Brandon, your mother didn't buy a house. She, your mother will never buy a house. She's oh, renting a house. And in fact, saying, Brandon, you're trash and you're that always going to be terrible, trash. And so man. that's mm-hmm. this thing I've kind of, my whole wrong? life has what been, been fighting. What is wrong with adults? Against. What is wrong with people? Just yeah. in general, yeah. not just adults. Just, what is wrong with people? Why would you say that to uh, anybody, let alone a child? And you see a movie like that, you think, oh, they're just sensationalizing. Right. Like that would never happen. I unbelievable. I'm Thank God for away. your first foster mom, though. Right. Amen. Yeah. No, you're, you're exactly right. She's, she's an angel. She, and, and briefly she's raised four of her own kids and then not only ra- raised and adopted three kids before me, but then took on four other babies who uh, were born with drugs in their system mm. and has recently taken on a, uh, a, a 40 year old uh, a woman with down syndrome. Who's, who's deaf. <sighs> And now has early onset um, Alzheimer's and she's oh. adopted her when her mother passed. Oh my and so gosh. this woman is my, my foster mother is just the most amazing person you'll ever meet. I don't get it. That's um, that yeah. is, no, for anybody that has even a child, let's just say a child, mm-hmm. how much work that is just to have a child. And then to imagine that times almost what, 10 yeah. compared to yeah. your, and then also now the adult then, children that she's bringing adult disabilities. People, I mean, who that's, it's a miracle. Again, there's the angel, right? Right. A total angel. Um, 
I, I got to wow. take so you. You your book is out there, um, and you've got also you can get eBooks as well. Yep. So uh, Amazon.com. It's called Abandoned Brandon. Uh, I'm not sure when this is airing, but for today, uh, until the end of today, it's it's going to be. Uh, there's a special price on it, but uh, we've we've marked it down from the original price. It's down to 14.99 for today only at 7.99, mm-hmm. but uh, 14.99 for the for the soft uh, paperback and uh, 4.99 for the Kindle version for the audio ver- for the uh, the the Kindle version. We'll be doing an audio book at some point, which I will be voicing um, as you heard the chapter one as a tease that we had. And if but, you, that's um, on abandonedbrandon.com and yes, you can um, see information on the book and that video is there. It's like an eight minute video. Um, yeah. And then, and it's in your voice. That's, that's what's key. Cause that changes everything. Oh man. Yeah. When you're listening no to voice it. actors and what he's talking about in that little sneak peek that's on abandonedbrandon.com. He hasn't talked about today. Um, and what we've heard so far, this is another chapter, so to speak. And if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, wherever, just in the show notes, we have a, we'll link to the book. Absolutely. Amazon. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Holy cow, man. I was um, not expecting that. That's an, crazy. You were more impressive than I thought. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, uh, it's really a testament. I know that you, you drew on the good. Thank God you, you it stayed with you, um, in order to come out on the other side. And congratulations on the baby. Well, thank you. <laughs> and, and I really appreciate the opportunity just to, to sit here and chat with you guys. Again, I grew up listening to you. And <laughs> not just as a child, but as a teenager. As an adult, the, as a 40-some-year-old adult, <laughs> you started listening to us. No, a, not quite, but close. Ish. Not, not ish. Dang it. <laughs> but I, I sincerely appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and to, to tell this story and to help other people. So Absolutely. NET Network, guys, if you get a chance, what time are you on in the mornings? Five to nine central, Monday through Friday. Excellent. Brandon, Brandon McDermott, thank you so much. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you so much. You guys you, have a good day. You got you it. You too. Bye-bye. See ya. Holy cow. All right, so uh, just click in the show notes. Buy the book, for God's sakes. That is so incredible. So inspiring and just yeah. eye-opening. Uh, yeah. You think you're having a rough, you had yeah. a rough childhood. Somebody wow. put you, set you straight. Thanks, Brandon. Pat and JT Podcast. A Huda Media Production.